part in that. Hey, we're in our series called Spiritual Apps, and I want to begin uh, today by having us take a test. Uh, You won't need a piece of paper. You won't need a pencil. What you're going to need is just a focused mind, a sharp mind, and the, the ability to concentrate as you take this test. Uh, it's an awareness test, and some of you may have taken this test already, so if you have, uh, just you know, keep the, the answer to yourself uh, and see if others can, uh, can pick up on the, the answer to this, uh, this question that's being asked. I'm going to show you a video clip, and the instructions are going to be on the screen and see if you can pick up the right answer here. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? All right, you ready? How many think the team in white made 12 passes? Raise your hand. All right, we got a few of you made, think it's 12 passes. How many, raise your hand high if you think uh, the team in white made 13 passes? All right, got a good smattering of 13. How about 14 passes? Raise your hand if you saw 14. Okay, we got some people who saw 14. Great, well, the correct answer is 13. Uh, and uh, that actually wasn't the point of the test. Here's the real question. How many of you saw the moonwalking bear? Uh, a few of you saw, some of you are going, moonwalking bear? What are you talking about? I seen the moon. Here, let's re- rewind the, the video here. You can just watch it again and uh, pick it up here. It's easy to miss something you're not looking for. Come on, people, you didn't see the moonwalking bear? How could you miss that? It is is pretty easy to miss something you're not looking for, right? I mean, in the the midst of all that activity, I mean, you're busy counting and tabulating and keeping your eyes on that ball bouncing around because you want to get the right answer. And right in the middle of all that activity is something as outrageous as a moonwalking bear. I mean, how can you miss something like that? In fact, that really is a great snapshot of our lives. We're busy, we're pushing hard, we're getting stuff done, we're counting, we're working, we're shaping, we're leading, we're parenting, we're doing all these things. And oftentimes what's, ha- what's happening is that as we do all these, these good things, they're not bad things, as we're doing these good things, we, we miss seeing God right there in the middle of all that he's called us to. It's easy to push so hard in life, leave our souls in the dust, and miss an outrageous God right there in the middle of our activity. And we're in this this series called Spiritual Apps. We're we're talking about uh, spiritual disciplines. Richard Foster, I think, defines a spiritual discipline uh, just really succinctly and, and, and does a great job of helping us understand that a spiritual discipline is a spiritual practice that takes you to Jesus. That's a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual practice that takes you to Jesus. A spiritual discipline is not some attempt to become more holy. A spiritual practice or spiritual app isn't some attempt to somehow uh, please God more, like you, you need to earn his, his, uh, his pleasure uh, in you. That's not what it is. It, it's simply a spiritual practice that takes you 
to Jesus. It's a way to encounter him in the busyness of life, a way to slow down. And last week, uh, Brian talked to us about our first app. It's called the, the Listening App. And he talked to us about the life of Elijah and how Elijah heard God's voice, not in the windstorm, not in the thunder, not in the earthquake, but in the silence. And I loved how Brian uh, put it. He said that silence is not, you know, some emptying of ourselves. No, silence is that place where we still ourselves and experience the fullness of who God is. He fills the silence with his presence. And he speaks to us like he spoke to Elijah in a gentle whisper. I just love how um, that's worded. He's gentle and he whispers. And I hope this last week you've had some, some chances to practice uh, silence and stillness. In fact, as we go through these spiritual apps, if you go to our website and you move your cursor over on the homepage over each uh, one of those apps as we talk about them, there's going to be some practices to help you grow in using that spiritual practice. Um, last week, if, you, if you're able to, you, you went to the, the homepage and you put the cursor over that ear app, you would get some practical ways where you could uh, engage in, in the listening discipline and have that take you to Jesus. And today, I want to talk to you about the, the spiritual app called Play. Play. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, play is a spiritual discipline? I mean, really? I mean, uh, you know, it takes discipline to, to eat healthy food. Or it takes discipline to learn how to play an instrument like like the piano, or it takes discipline to, to survive the early, the preliminary rounds of American Idol. All of a sudden, it takes discipline. You gotta be focused, you gotta pay attention, you gotta work hard. But play, is that really something that takes discipline? Many years ago, when Trina and I were dating, uh, I was working for United Parcel Service in San Francisco. Uh, and I was going to college at the same time. We had our, our semester break, and Trina went home to Hood River, Oregon uh, to work during the summer, and I stayed in San Francisco working at my job. And about midway through the summer, I had some vacation time, and uh, I, I was going to drive up to, to Hood River and visit Trina, and, uh, and so I made those plans, and when Friday came and my shift ended, I hopped into my, uh, my snappy little white B2000 Mazda pickup truck. It was a five-speed I love that truck, and I got into that truck, and I, uh, I, I rolled down the windows, and I turned the music up, and I was driving to Hood River, and I was excited uh, for the reunion that I was going to have with Trina, and as I was driving north on I-5 um, and through, through California, headed to Oregon, uh, I was thinking about what my week was going to look like, and I was uh, just uh, sort of planning mentally what we were going to do, and I was really excited to see her again, see Trina again, because it had been weeks since, uh, since we had last seen each other, and I was in Northern California, kind of north of Lake Shasta and kind of the hills there, when, uh, when my eyes actually dropped, and I, I looked and I saw my, my dashboard, and I, it's probably the first time I looked at my gas gauge, and it was on E. Um, and I had, I, had, I had not paid any attention to my gas gauge. Um, young love will do that to you, won't it? I mean, nothing is relevant. You just, you're just thinking about that person you love, and nothing's relevant to the moment that it's suddenly relevant. 
Uh, and here I am. I, I'm in the mountains of Northern California. I'm quite a ways from the nearest gas station, and I'm the the the, the needle is on E, and uh, so I'm I'm attempting to conserve gas. I I go up a hill, and when I get to close to the crest of the hill, I shift into neutral to allow the momentum uh, of going up the hill carry me over the crest, and I I go over the crest and I coast my way down, gathering new momentum, pushing hard in the truck to to make the climb. I'm on the next hill. So I start climbing on the, the, the next hill, and I'm using gas conservatively, and I climb that hill, and I do the same thing. I coast my way down the other side, kind of riding the momentum up the other side. And I'm doing this many times, and I, as I'm cresting this one hill, I'm, get, I'm almost to the top, and I can hear my truck starting to cough and gasp for life because we are now running out of gas. It's starting to shake a little bit in the truck. And, uh, but I got enough momentum to get me to the top of the hill, Hill, and when I get to the top of the hill, I see the most beautiful sight in the world. It is the wonderful, glittering metropolis of the city of Weed, California. <laughs> Never been so happy to see Weed, California. And I am just praying that I'll be able to coast my way down that hill. In fact, I did. I coasted my way down the hill, had enough momentum to get the exit ramp. And I'll be honest, I didn't stop at the stop sign. I did look. Uh, and I just rolled through that stop sign. And I kept rolling. And I pulled into, I think it was a Shell station right there in Wee, California. And, and let out a big whew, made it. Filled the tank up with gas and drove uh, the rest of the way to Hood River looking at my gas gauge like every 10 minutes because now I'm paranoid that I'm going to have enough gas. You know, we, we've had those experiences in life, truly with, with our cars or, you know, whatever you drive, but we've also had those experiences in life where we felt like we're, we're out of gas. We're, we're, we're losing energy. We're, uh, we're, we're running out of strength. We, we feel depleted. Uh, years ago, a guy named Bill Hybels, a pastor of a church outside of Chicago, uh, first introduced this concept uh, of these, these gauges. And, uh, you know, when, when I was uh, a, a younger believer, I, I, I thought that there's really there were two gauges in my life I needed to pay attention to. And the first gauge was the physical gauge. Uh, this was the sort of the fuel tank physically. I mean, I was working for United Parcel Service, and I was, uh, I was, I was a package car driver, uh, and I was a loader before that. And, I, you know, it, it was a lot of work. And so I, I needed to take care of my body and, and eat healthy things. I needed good rest. Um, I, I needed to exercise. Uh, I, if, I thought if I could take care of myself physically and keep that needle, you know, as close to full as possible, that's a good thing. And then I thought, you know, if I could pay attention to the, the spiritual gauge of my life, if I could kind of look at my, my personal dashboard, take care of myself physically, uh, get, get that covered, but then also uh, cover the, the, the spiritual uh, aspect of my life and keep that as close to the full as, as possible, that would, that would be a great thing as well. Uh, and to throw that, there it is, the spiritual gauge is up there. And, and sometimes I would find I'm, I'm in a quarter tank, and so I want to make sure that I'm, I'm engaged in disciplines of reading Scripture, uh, that I'm praying, um, that I'm, an, I'm a part of a community, maybe a small group, um, committed to the discipline of corporate worship, going to church, um, giving, uh, caring for the poor. Uh, I, I want to keep that needle as close to full as possible spiritually. And what I had, I, I thought is that, you know, if I'm taking care of myself physically, and I'm taking care of myself spiritually, I should be good. I, I shouldn't have any, any, any problems. Yet, 
I would have these experiences where I felt like I still wasn't running at full strength. I, I, I was short with people or, you know, Trina and I would be at home and, um, and, uh, and we'd get testy with each other. And, uh, and, and then I'd, we, we volunteered at our local church and we were uh, serving in a church and uh, we were volunteering and serving in youth ministry. And I remember walking out of, of youth ministry thinking to myself, I'd be happy if I never had to do anything like that again. And it wasn't the kids. It was just, I just, I, it took energy to be around people. And I was just feeling depleted. And I was trying to figure out what's going on because physically I'm caring for myself. Spiritually, I'm doing all the right things. Yet there's a part of me that feels depleted. And that's because I had ignored, not just ignored, I didn't even know that there was another gauge in my life I needed to be paying attention to, and that's the emotional gauge. You see, what I found out was that I would often run on empty because I would go to work and have these intense uh, moments in my workday in which a piece of me would be taken out. You know, I, as, a, as a manager, uh, I might have to have a tough conversation with an employee. And that tough conversation, I might be thinking about it before I even have it. I'd have it, and afterwards, I think, oh, man, I wish I would have done it differently. It didn't come out the way I wanted, and, and it would just take a piece of me. Or I remember one time having to sit in some hearings. I, I was sitting there for hours as union representatives are asking me pretty direct questions, and then when they're done, I've got company attorneys asking me questions. And when you're sitting going through all that, it just takes a piece out of you. You're worn out. It's just the strength is being sapped out of you. And uh, I had no idea that just paying attention to physical and to spiritual, that there was another part of me that needed to be refreshed and needed to be renewed. And that's where this, this discipline of play comes into, into practice. This, the spiritual discipline, the spiritual apt I'm calling play. Because if you're asking the question, how do I refuel myself emotionally. I mean, maybe you got, you've had the windows down and you've had the music turned up for a while and you look down at your dashboard and you realize, I'm limping along here. I'm coasting. I'm in neutral. And I, I, need, I need some gas in my tank. And, and you have very little emotional strength. How do you fill? How do you refresh? How do you refill? And I want to suggest to you, it's through the, this, one of the ways you do it through the spiritual app called Play. Now, here's a Bible verse that I'm pretty sure your Sunday school teachers never had you memorize or your parents never had you memorize. I didn't, I didn't read this, this verse until uh, years ago. Uh, it's from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 8, verse 15. And it starts out by saying this. So I recommend having fun. Let me just stop right there. Did you know that was in the Bible? I recommend having fun. Because there is nothing better for people in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. That way, they will experience some happiness along with all the hard work God gives them under the sun. I recommend having fun. Now, the, the greater context here is Ecclesiastes is written by the, a wisdom writer. Uh, most think it's, it's Solomon, and most would come to the conclusion that Ecclesiastes is written by a guy who's probably going through a midlife crisis because uh, he's all over the map. He's trying to figure out life, and he's just made this observation in the previous verse that you know there, there are these common graces that people experience. 
that the, the, the wicked and the good experience some of the, the good things in life. And so the wisdom writer comes to this conclusion. So here's the deal. I recommend having fun. Now, when I'm studying scripture and I want to know what the, the, the Bible or this chapter or these verses are saying, I turn the text, in this case, a verse, into a question to make sure that I know what the text is actually saying. So one of the ways you would do this with this verse is you would ask the question, how can I take happiness, or as one version says, how do I have joy accompany me along with all the hard work that God has given to me? I mean, all the things, all the roles that you play, moms, dads, employee, employer, all the roles that you, that you fill, how do you take happiness or joy along with you as you accomplish those things? And the answer to that question, you don't want my opinion. I don't want your opinion. What we want to know, what does the God-breathed, inspired word of God have to say about that, that, that answer to that question? How do I take joy with me to work? Well, here's the answer to the question from the text. Have fun. Have fun. There's nothing better for people in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. When you do that, when you have fun, then you get to take joy with you to work. But I was always told growing up, stop playing around. You're going to poke out your eye or someone's eye or something bad's going to happen. Fun has been sort of, you know, kind of lowered and devalued as, as being unspiritual. That, you know, if you're really spiritual, you have this solemn, sober look, this frown on your face, because that's what it looks like to be, to be spiritual. No, that doesn't mean you're spiritual. It just kind of means you're grumpy. What the wisdom writer is saying is that we're intended to have joy in our lives. We, it's okay to smile. It's okay to have fun. Joy is part of how God's made. It's a gift that he's given to us. Psalm 118 verse 24 says, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Not be glad about it but to experience gladness in the day. That it is okay to experience joy. That, that's a good thing. It's a good thing to experience gladness and, and, and joy. It's, it's spiritual to have fun. I mean, pull that verse out someday with somebody and say, you know the most spiritual, important lesson I've ever learned in my life? Ecclesiastes 8.15 says, have fun. Someone will look at you like, what? That's in the Bible? It's there. And it's one of the ways that we replenish ourselves emotionally. Now, Dallas Willard, who writes a lot on these, uh, to the topic of spiritual disciplines, has said this, and it's a fairly long quote, but let me just read it slowly uh, for us. He says, failure to attain a deeply satisfying life always has the effect of making, uh, effect of making sinful actions seem good. Here lies the strength of temptation. Normally, our successes in overcoming temptation will be easier if we are basically happy with our lives. To cut off the joys and pleasures associated with our bodily lives and social existence as unspiritual then can actually have the effect of weakening us in our efforts to do what is right. Do you hear what Willard is saying? 
He's saying when we come to the conclusion that joy or happiness or fun is unspiritual, so we remove it, we actually allow the, the temptations of, of life to, to be stronger. They have a stronger pull on us because of the absence of pleasure in our lives. There are pleasures that are good and right. Mark Buchanan, uh, in, in his book, uh, Your God is Too Safe, uh, says, having fun is the practice of lifting our eyes from, from our preoccupation with all the work we have to do and the trouble we're in and the money we owe and the reputation we're striving to keep. It's training ourselves in the midst of and in spite of all that might be amiss to see heaven. It's the discipline of setting joy before us so that we might throw off everything that hinders and run the race marked out for us, that we might endure and not lose heart and not grow weary. I love this last line. He says, the act of play acts as a scrub brush on our heart, keeping it clean and free from the buildup of life. That play acts like a scrub brush and frees us up from the buildup of, of life. C.S. Lewis would write that joy is the serious business of heaven. Think about that. Well, your picture of God, what's your picture of God? Is it a God who is joyful or a God who wears a frown and wags his finger a little bit when he looks at you? Because the fruit of the Spirit, as Paul lists it out in Galatians chapter 5, number two on the list is love and joy. He's a glad God. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 says, The joy of the Lord is our strength. Notice that he does not say the mercy of God is our strength. He doesn't even say the love of God is our strength, nor the justice of God is our strength. All those things are wonderful attributes of who God is. But he says, the, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Trina and I were talking this morning. We were saying, she was saying that when she felt most secure in her home was when her dad was laughing. And that's literally what that word strength means. It means protection, fortress. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So we can have fun. We can incarnate joy into our day, be glad in our day, and not feel like we're being unspiritual. But isn't it the reality of our days that we go through through our week, we go through our schedules, our routines, and there's so many joy-sucking circumstances out there. I mean, isn't that, isn't that the case? I mean, just like you get the, the joy, the, uh, the gladness just gets sucked out of you. When I was a kid growing up at a boarding school in Malaysia, we'd go camping on the weekends, and uh, uh, we went to this beach this one time, a bunch of buddies and I, and we were camping on this beach, and we looked across this swamp and saw this jungle that was full of monkeys, and we thought, let's go across the swamp and let's go chase monkeys. I don't know why we want to chase monkeys. It just seemed like something that would be fun to do. So we left all our stuff on the beach, and we waded our way waist deep through this swamp, and as we came out the other side, we looked down, and our legs were covered in all these black things. They were, were leeches, Right? We're covered in leeches. Hey, did you know that if five leeches can drain the, the life out of a small animal like in, in, in an afternoon? Just a little tidbit on leeches. I got some pictures here. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Relax. 
But doesn't it feel like when you're moving through life, sometimes it feels like you're wading through a swamp, you come out the other side, and you get all these things just sucking the life out of you. I mean, the joy is just being removed from you. It's so hard to, to keep the, that tank close to being full because the reality is, is we're so busy. We got so much stuff going on. We're counting and tabulating and watching and working and parenting. And in the midst of all that, all that busyness, I mean, God is right there in the middle. We just aren't aware of him. But all that stuff, tough conversations, relational stress, financial stress, it's taking a piece of you and you need to refuel. You need to have fun. You need to engage in the spiritual practice of play. And that is good. It's, it's all right to smile. You can smile. It's, it's okay. You're allowed to. Because you have a God who smiles, whose face shines upon you. Now, years ago, our family got a new laptop, and it had a built-in webcam. And, uh, you know, it was one of those first laptops that came out before you had that clunky webcam you had to attach somewhere. Um, and now they're built in. And when we first got our laptop, it had a built-in webcam. We had this program on our laptop called Photo Booth um, that was, you know, sort of mimics the day when some of you in the room remember that there were actual photo booths that you sat in, you put your money in, you had to stare at this light for a long time and wait for the flash to go. And then you had to wait outside of the photo booth for a really long time as well for your, your strip of pictures to drop out. Well, our, our laptop has that. Many of your laptops have that capability. And my kids, I, I didn't know it, but my kids were taking pictures of themselves on this laptop. And then with this program, you can, you can kind of twist and distort your picture. Uh, you can give yourself like a giant forehead, a uh, large nose, a protruding chin, and so much so that when I was looking at those pictures, I was trying to figure, who is this person? And I realized, it's my son or it's my daughter. And, but the picture had been distorted. You know, with any of these apps that we're talking about in this series, it's very easy to twist and distort the app for our, our, our own good and, and miss the point of a spiritual practice of it taking you to God. I mean, we're going to talk about fasting in the weeks to come, and you can turn fasting into dieting. You can distort it. Or scripture memorization, you could have that not take you to Jesus. You can turn that into some sort of performance-based approach to God. You can distort it and twist it. And play, you can distort play. You can turn it into a, a self-seeking, uh, 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 kind of a hedonistic uh, pleasure uh, approach to life where it's all about just you know, pleasure and enjoying life. And, and that would be to distort what we're talking about. Because this is just, we're just talking about one gauge, the emotional gauge, and play being a way for us to refuel, to, to engage in recreation and have that refuel. In fact, I mean, that word recreation comes from the Latin word recreatus, which literally means recreate us, to recreate yourself. So here, here's what it could look like. You could, you could go to the beach and sit on the beach and just, or walk on the beach and just watch the waves crash and just marvel at the creation that God has made for you. And you could talk to him. You could, you could go fishing and, and allow that time on a river to take you to God and have that recreate you. Uh, you, could, you could read a book on, on the back deck 
Uh, you, could, uh, you could carve wood. Uh, you could paint. Uh, you, you could play a sport. You could, you could go run. Well, running's probably not one of those things that's enjoyable, but maybe for some. But what you do when you're doing it, you're, I mean, you're riding a bike and you just, you're just noticing and you're aware that even when you ride a bike, God is there. That, he, that he's there when you're at the beach. He's there when you're skiing. He's there when you're going for a walk. He's there in the middle of it. And he's enjoying the fact that you're enjoying what he's created. And so we can be glad. I want to throw these three gauges back up on the screen here and just ask uh, a question here as we wrap up. Here's the question. As you look at those three gauges, the emotional, spiritual, and physical, how are you doing physically? Are you getting enough rest? Are you, are you eating healthy? Are you, are you getting exercise? Where, where's the needle on the gauge for you? Or how about spiritual? Are, are, you, are you connecting with God? Are you allowing the scriptures to take you to Jesus, prayer life to take you to Jesus? Are you involved in community? Are, are, you, are you giving back to God in tithes and offerings? Are, are you caring for the poor? How are you doing spiritually? Where's, where's that needle on the gauge for you? And emotionally, how's your joy quotient? Have you been recreating yourself? See, God has wired you in a specific way where there's probably something that, that you would love to do. And as you did it, and as you noticed Jesus in the midst of it, you could, you could almost feel your soul being renewed. And the best news of all is that then we realize that we've had the windows down and the music turned up, and we look at the gauges and realize, oh my goodness, I'm running on empty. We've got a God who loves to fill the empty. He loves to heal the broken. We have a God who generously, in kind ways, loves to replenish and restore. So where are you at? Where, where, where's God speaking to you today? And let's just allow this discipline to take us to a place where we could, we could be healed as we enjoy him. Would you pray with me, please? So Lord, this morning we thank you for the gift of joy. Thank you that your joy is our strength. What it must be like to hear the Father laugh. So Lord, for those who are in the room today who maybe are experiencing difficulty, Lord, we're not talking about faking joy. But maybe there's people here who've experienced the, the joy being sucked out of them and they just need to be refreshed. Would you refresh them this morning? Restore the joy. Would you show them how to do that? And for us as a church, Lord, I pray that we'd, we'd walk with you in a way that we get to enjoy all the things that you've given to us and see you in the midst of it. That we would be aware of you and know that you're present and that you love us, you like us. Quench our thirst this morning for more of you. It is in your name that we pray. Amen.